Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special Kelly Green Hour today. I call it a very special one because we're not really talking about the game this Sunday. We are talking about the Eagles injury problems, medical stuff in the NFL, and so much other stuff I hope to get into in this episode with Edwin Porras. Edwin Porras, you can follow him on Twitter at FFStudentDoc. If you want a really good follow for fantasy football, that seems to be where his specialty is, is updating everyone on their fantasy football injuries. Um, Edwin, if you would like to take a couple seconds to introduce yourself to our audience and what you do and and uh, maybe a shameless plug here or there if you have some other shows that you do. Yeah, man. So I appreciate that. First of all, calling me super special. I think that's uh, really, really setting the bar very high for me. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But I am a third year doctor of physical therapy uh, student. And th so the DPT, because you're in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in Canada. The other host is in the U.S. So Okay. So I think Canada in, is the, so the United States and Canada are two of the leading countries that are doing the DPT, the, so the doctor of physical therapy. Um, it basically just expanded our education to a lot more um, imaging, diagnostics, and stuff like that of the orthopedic musculoskeletal system. So I'm in my last year. I graduate in May, um, and I really have always loved fantasy football. And in last last August, I looked at my wife. I said, you know what? I think I could do some injury stuff, injury analysis stuff. I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun. And it sort of morphed into what it is today. But you you nailed it on the head. I mean, uh, my Twitter is a central hub for everything that I do. So if you just follow me at FFStudentDoc, um, that's a perfect place where, where you can find all my stuff. So that's that, a little bit about me. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And that's why it's so special to have you on. Because usually we just have, as guests, just other Eagles fans. And we're all just talking Eagles. So it's good to get a completely different perspective on probably one of the most injury-prone and injury-riddled teams in the NFL over the past few years. So um, let's get started. First, I'll, I'll start with this question. The Eagles have struggled greatly this year with injuries, many that went from day-to-day to week-to-week to, -week to, -week to even IR stints. What are your thoughts on such uncertainty around the injuries of, on this team? Who is to blame, and, and what does this say about the medical staff of the Eagles? Oh, man, th this is a tough question. So I'll I'll lead by saying this. Um, I am, you know, an expert in the subject matter of injuries, rehab, um, you know, timelines, stuff like that. I have not, however, been on an NFL sideline. A lot of people have. So like for, like Pro Football Doc, I'm sure you guys have seen him around, guys and gals. Pro Football Doc, Aaron Borgman's another one who's uh, out of Kansas City, so he's local to me. Those those physical therapists um, he's an, and Aaron Borgman's an athletic trainer, they have a good insight into what the day-to-day -day is like on an actual NFL sideline, um, which is great. I don't have that insight, so I can't directly say, hey, you know, this is – what the Eagles do differently than what the Chiefs do or differently than what the Patriots do. That's not really something that I can point to specifically. Um, but what I can say is it's really easy as a sports fan, because I've fallen into this as well, to want to blame somebody because, good Lord, three years straight of the types of injuries that the Eagles have had, I can understand your pain. I can understand wanting to you know, point the finger to someone. But the reality is I did, I did a little bit of superficial research um, on that question, because when you asked me, I said, you know what, I guess I could dive in and see, you know, is there some sort of pattern? Because when you see patterns like recurrent hamstring strains or recurrent calf strains or, you know, three or four other players have torn their ACL, you know, that would be something to, to look, do a little digging into. But when you look at the situation 
you know, you look at the Eagles injury report, it's an ankle, it's a tricep, um, you know, for Alshon Jeffrey, it's a foot, it's a, you know, whatever shoulder, it's all these different, like for Jordan Howard, it's a shoulder, all these different hodgepodge of injuries that I know it's not, it's, it's not something that fans want to hear, but I can't, there's nothing obvious that stands out to me where you can point to and say, ha, it's in the strength and conditioning program, or you know what I mean? Or it's hot. It's how they rehab mm-hmm. their hamstrings. It's nothing like that. So I don't know if as a fan that makes things better or worse, but I don't think that it's anything that the Eagles are doing or not doing per se. I just, I really, really genuinely believe that it's just sort of dumb luck. Mm, yeah, because I, I know that a lot of fans and a lot of followers, if you if you follow Eagles Twitter, which it's a very, very vile space to listen to and or to look at or to read. Um, but a lot of people want to point to what's wrong with the medical staff. We changed medical staffs this year and the same things happening. And they're like you said, they're just trying to point the finger and trying to find someone to blame just to feel more, feel some sort of comfort or some sort of acknowledgement that there's an issue within the organization that's causing these injuries but I mean kind of as you alluded to that it's a violent sport it is a violent sport and it is something where injuries are expected and it just so happens that our team likes to draft or trade people or trade for people who might have issues with injuries or who might have issues with recurrent injuries or it might just be a freak accident or freak luck and I know we like to point the finger and I'm sure Maybe someone on an NFL sideline could further elaborate on this and could further point to the true issues, but it's so hard to tell because it's so hard to just say that the medical staff is at to blame or is at fault. Exactly, and I think that the that point you just made about you know they changed the entire staff this season, but they still sort of tend to have these issues. I think that really does point to the reality that there really probably is nothing out of the norm going on there just sort of bad luck yeah exactly and uh, eagles fans we're starting to get used to bad luck it just kind of happens but i mean at least we have some things to be happy about as in we made the playoffs this year which is a step up because we all thought we were doomed about four weeks ago so that's a I, that's a positive that's hilarious i you know what i do another show um i this season i did another show with uh, ben kukanis who is uh, he's a he's sort of the the behind the scenes guy for the fantasy free agents or at TFF TFF agents I think on Twitter um, mm-hmm. it's Joe Dolan and Tom Broly and they he he's an Eagles fan and so all season long man it felt like every week we had another Eagles injury to talk about and so I joke with him that throughout the season I sort of became an Eagles fan by proxy and I honestly I don't know if it's by proxy or just by pure like empathy I just, I feel for you guys so badly just every week it's another one and another one and another one so um, it has yeah, to be it's, one it's of the worst in history. Like I just like I know that the Chargers have had some really bad luck in prior years with injuries, and the, the preseason seemed to be their pitfall. They always came out with three or four studs getting hurt, uh, non-contact injuries or whatever. Um, but this year, like when you when during that game on Sunday, they flash up a graphic. And you can fill a screen full of not just names, but faces and names of injuries. And all of them are IR, 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 IR. That just blows your mind. And it blows my mind as a fan of the game. And that's why I just want people to realize, like, because there's so many fans, Philadelphia fans, who just want to say, what's wrong with that medical staff? What's up with them? 
But I just want like the opinion of a medical person. That was a really great answer that you gave just to say it's not always the medical staff. Sometimes it's dumb luck. Sometimes once you have one injury, it causes some of your body to overcompensate, whether that's true, a myth or whatever. It sometimes causes other parts of your body to overcompensate, which causes injuries there. And then you just never come back from that injury. So, I mean, it's good to get the answer that Twitter probably doesn't want to hear right now and that our fans don't want to hear. You can't blame the medical staff. You can turn that medical staff over 10 times in a year. And you know what? It's probably going to be the same outcome. Yep, exactly. And that's the last thing I'll say about this this thing, too, is injury prevention as a general as a general idea. Um, I, I like to joke that it's it's the medical community, the sports medical community's white whale. If we had something that could, if we knew enough information to know like, hey, if you do this, you can prevent concussions, or hey, if you do that, you can stop ACL tears. You know, if we had if we had something anywhere close to that in the medical community, somebody somebody one of us would be very very rich, <laughs> and there would be you'd see a team with zero injuries. So. The ever elusive, the ever elusive injury prevention idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, next question, I guess you kind of kind of alluded to it a bit, so you may not be able to elaborate a whole lot more, but hopefully with some of your knowledge, you can. Um, what makes for good medical staff in the NFL today with so many new protocols, like the concussion protocol is just as an example, and in such a violent sport that's so full of injuries and sometimes just dumb luck injuries like non-contact injuries and do you think a good medical staff speaks to a good nfl team so you know what this is actually a good a good question again i want to emphasize i've never been on an nfl sideline so i would default to anybody who has and has an opinion on it um just zooming out you know sort of ten thousand foot view i think what makes a good medical staff is is just what makes a good medical provider in general um somebody who will sit down listen to the player, obviously has the technical skills, can say, you know, knows the, what tests to run on the field, you know, maybe how to put a shoulder back that has dislocated, et cetera, et cetera, all the technical stuff. Then you move into the soft skills of what is the player telling you? Where is their pain? What kind of pain is it? Have they had it before? What do they think helps? Do you want to do what, you know, they say, even though you see in the research, hey, this doesn't really work, um, but the player wants to do it. Are you at least willing to have that conversation? Are they bought into the team strength and conditioning program? All of those things that you have to sort of consider just dealing with one patient, you know, um, as a physical therapist, for example, I will see a patient who, um, and, and our own research has shown us, our physical therapy research, that if you isolate two patients who are getting, you know, a treatment that they believe is 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 good according to the research, um, a treatment that is bad according to the research, and a treatment that is, um, you know, good according to the research, but they really just really believe, or bad according to the research, but they really believe in their therapist and that they believe that their physical therapists care. Those people actually do better than the people who are getting the, the bad treatment. So if, if you're getting bad treatment, but you believe in what is what's going on, um, your outcomes are actually a lot better. So does the team believe in what, you know, every, every program is running? And so I guess a better answer, a more concise way to say that is a good team, you know, i.e. the Patriots, i.e. I would consider the Eagles in there. Um, I would consider that, you know, if they're a good team, they are bringing on people who are at the top of the profession, of the medical profession, the physicians, the PTs, the ATs, um, and those and those athletes are bought in. So what I think what makes a good medical staff are all of those things. So people who understand the research and the science, but can also look at, an, at a player who happens to be a human being <laughs> and say to them, hey, 
you know, what do you think? Because that input matters a lot. Um, and I guess one little, little side note, little story that I can say too, is that when you, so I listened to, his name's Dan Lorenz, and he used to be the head athletic trainer, physical therapist for the Chiefs. And he, you know, came and, and talked to us. And a big thing for us is, you know, wanting to be evidence-based, wanting to provide rehabilitation um, and physical therapy for patients using the research and using the data that tells us exactly what we should be doing and exactly what we should not be doing. There's this machine, it's called an ultrasound machine. You also think of ultrasound in terms of, you know, the reflective ultrasound where you can see like babies and stuff like that. Um, it, essentially what ultrasound is, is just sound waves and for treatment. And, and we know there's just a mounting amount of, energy, of, of, of research that shows that ultrasound is not effective for almost any type of, you know, any type of injury. But if the patient, again, going back to what I you know, mentioned earlier, if the patient believes that that, that uh, ultrasound is going to help them and you shoot them down, you have just reduced your chances of getting a complete optimal recovery for that patient. So think about that. When you know, Carson Wentz comes to his physical therapist and says, um, I want ultrasound, I guess going back to what Dan Loren says, he says that you have to com not compromise, but you have to consider that you are sort of the just the point person if if carson wentz comes to the physical therapist who's the head trainer for for the eagles and he says i want ultrasound for this hamstring you know strain whatever do you think that it's a good idea for the physical therapist to say you know you know what carson I, the research says that it doesn't work um i'm not going to do that for you we're going to do this instead it's probably mm. not a good idea right so all of those things sorry that if that was a long-winded answer all of those things i think make a good medical staff no, that makes perfect sense, which also leads great into my next question, because we we kind of saw it as Eagles fans when Deshaun Jackson got hurt in week one and the news continued to be different. Each week was something different. He's day to day. Then it turned week to week. Then suddenly he tried to play a game and apparently the muscle came right off the 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 abdomen muscle came right off of his ribs or some some sort i'm not i'm not as medically gifted as you for that terminology <laughs> so that might sound completely wrong but then there was news that it completely tore and he had to go and end up getting it was a hernia or something he ended up having to go get surgery but we we got all these crazy stories out of all of this and my question to, to you would be, um, what, what was up with that injury in the first place that made it so hard to decide on surgery or physio? And, and, and do you believe that Deshaun Jackson will be 100% healthy for the divisional round if he's able to come back and if the Eagles move on? Oh, man, this, there's a lot to unpack there. So the first thing, the injury, the sports hernia. So essentially what a sports hernia is, is just disruption or um, damage to mu any muscle that connects to the groin. So it can be a muscle from the leg, a muscle from the abdomen, muscle that was actually f that originates on the, the pubic bone and goes somewhere else. So it can be any of those muscles. And when, you know, they either, they either come detached or they start to protrude, something is physically there that happens. So you like to, you said, you told me you like to talk numbers. So there's a study that was done on 200, uh, about 200 uh, rugby and NFL players. And what they found is that if those individuals, if those individuals with, with groin pain, so that's what, that's what they called it. It was a sports hernia. They called it groin pain. If those, those 200 individuals went through um, physical therapy, and what they found was all of them were able to return to sport 
with no setbacks uh, in about 10 weeks time. So that's a pretty big sample. That's a pretty good, um, I would say it's a pretty good sample that shows that physical therapy can be effective for these sports hernias. So you also have to zoom out even more from a bigger perspective. Um, even surgeons who are trained to, you know, cut people open, put things back together, sew them back up. Even surgeons will tell you that it is first line of defense for almost every single orthopedic injury is physical therapy. And that's because physical therapy, you know, just like in that study sh showed, it is extremely effective for almost every single injury. The second reason you want to try physical therapy first, other than that it just works, is the fact that if you can avoid, if you can avoid surgery at all costs, you know, because I know that the general public might view surgery as, oh, it's, you know, it's a medical miracle. And it sort of is to a certain extent. We, I think we take it for granted. But we also mm. dismiss that it's a trauma. You know, just because it's in a controlled environment does not remove from the fact that surgery is a trauma. You're getting knocked out. Your body, your respir, you know, your respiration drops. Your your heart rate drops. You're unconscious. Somebody takes a a pretty sizable and sharp knife to your body, opens it up. Your brain reacts to it. This is a trauma. And so, if you can avoid that type of trauma, um, you're more than likely going to have a faster recovery, um, and you're more than likely going to have, you know, a um, more, I, don't, I don't want to say more effective, but just sort of less dramatic recovery. Now, the flip side of that is there's another study. It's a little smaller of a sample. It's about 50 individuals who had that same <sighs> issue, the sports hernia uh, issue. They were, you know, given a lapars laparoscopic surgery, and which is essentially they go in, they repair the hernia um, through a tiny little, you know, I guess slit, if you want to call it. And then they um, sew them back up. What they found was that almost every single person in that sample were able to come back and had no setbacks either. However, it goes back to the 10,000 foot view is like if you can avoid that surgery, if you can avoid getting cut open, you know, at first. And if we have research and science that shows us, hey, you should try surgery or you should try conservative therapy first. You should try physio first. Then, you know, that that would be from a medical perspective, the most ethical thing to suggest um, the most practical thing to suggest, because you just don't want to go, you know, setting a precedent to where you just cut everybody open right away. Um, the second part of your question, can Deshaun Jackson be back at full speed? That's a tough one. He's on the wrong, he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, he obviously, he's had a ton of issues, um, you know, throughout his career. He's had broken fingers, soft tissue strains. He just had a ton of, of, of injuries. But I think that the better question or maybe a better way to look at it is, can Deshaun Jackson be back and be effective? I do. I, I do think that he can be effective. I think that he can stay healthy for this for this run. Um, obviously, that's never a guarantee. But I think that if he's back and the Eagles believe that he is you know, ready to go, then he can take the top off the defense and bring another dimension to that offense that they've been lacking for a while now. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, especially uh, as it was on Good Morning Football the other day. They said who was the, the three of them did a roundtable. It was who was the most underappreciated uh, NFL player of the 2010 decade. And one of them actually chose Deshaun Jackson because they said no matter what happens, he always comes back as the fastest player in the NFL. He is the fat, one of the fastest, if not the fastest receiver in the NFL. And it seems like any injury, any team he's on, nothing changes it. Whoever's whoever's on the other side of him at the cornerback position, it just does not affect him. It just does not phase him. And the the, the way that you explain that, it, it's it 
that answer is is perfect. That's what Eagles fans want to hear. Because I guess will he be 100%? I guess that doesn't matter because when you have Deshaun Jackson on the field after the people you've had on the field, like a Deontay Burnett and a Greg Ward Jr. and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, when you have those guys on the field, Deshaun Jackson opens up so many different elements to the game because this is this guy in week one went off for you guys. So imagine teams will focus on that. They'll be like the only tape we have from this year is week one where Deshaun Jackson literally tore apart the Washington Redskins secondary. So exactly. your answer is almost is spot on to the music direction. to your ears, huh? <laughs> music to our ears. It doesn't matter if it's 100 percent healthy. We just need Deshaun Jackson to be effective and to take some attention away from Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders, who seem to be the only ones getting football stone their way and Greg Ward, the hero here and there. But, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, he just brings an insanely different element to the team if he's back there for the divisional round. And based on some of the rehab videos we're seeing, he's looking pretty damn good, I would say so. But the way that you just talked about the injury, I, you know, I never think about surgery in that way, that it's a trauma. So that's a really interesting way that you say it, that it's creating a trauma for a person's body because it's so true. But I bet so many football fans don't even realize, like, they wanted to do what was best for Deshaun Jackson. Surgery looked like the best alternative, but you don't want to go that far. To be a guy who's over going towards the wrong side of 30, like you said, and to constantly be going under the knife, you don't really want to put yep. a man in that mm-hmm. position. So, exactly. I mean, exactly. as much as we hate it, how secretive and quiet everything was around the Deshaun Jackson injury it was probably for the better and seeing it from this perspective maybe fans have a different perspective on oh wow I never would have thought of it like that or they're probably like who the hell cares get Deshaun Jackson back on the field there's gonna be two sides of it every time (laughs) so and look what happens when you rush them back well he ended up tearing the muscle completely and he ended up with the hernia surgery so that's that was a really good answer to that Deshaun Jackson injury I never thought of it that way and I hope some other people now think of injuries in a different light at least the surgeries to some of these injuries in a different light but from one injury to why not another injury with the Philadelphia with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles the Zach Ertz injury so um I, I just kind of I'm curious, do you think him going back into the Dallas game caused the lacerated kidney or is the broken rib or fractured rib? Does that usually cause a lacerated kidney right off the bat? And also, what is the severity of the lacerated kidney two weeks or what one week removed, one week removed from the injury? And what is his odds of relacerating the kidney? Because there are. There's reports coming out that he says he couldn't feel the lacerated kidney, which I assume most people don't feel a lacerated kidney because it's just bleeding internally. But maybe you can allude more to that. Yeah. So we'll start with, um, do I think that he injured it when he came back to it? So he had this rib situation. It was before the Cowboys game. Is that right? Uh, no, it happened during the game. It was was like he got, he was midair catching the ball and some guy came and nailed him right in the ribs with his shoulder and they came down pretty hard and he grabbed the ribs right away. Yeah. So it's tough to say, you know, I can't say for a fact, but that was probably, so that was probably the point where the, the kidney was lacerated in the first place. I can't say that definitively. Um, but generally speaking, that's probably what happened, you know, blunt trauma to the ribs, to the kidney. That's what causes, that's what will cause the injury. And, you know, 
even though you can cause more damage to internal organs, um, I would say the damage was already done by then. And the second thing that I would say is this is a very um, delicate issue to deal with. And kidneys are very serious because, you know, kidneys are responsible for so much of just our everyday um, everyday living. I mean, they mm-hmm. filter our blood. They help with, you know, filter out, secrete our urine. They regulate our blood pressure. There are receptors in there that help regulate blood pressure. Um, they just do so much. And so for Zach Ertz to be on the sideline with, a, you know, an injured kidney, that's something that's really seriously you take that very serious um because that's something that you you know you're basically messing you go beyond just messing with the musculoskeletal system and you're messing with the genital urinary system you're messing with his you know blood pressure all that stuff and the last thing you want is to cause internal bleeding and have him you know have to have part of his kidney removed um so from that perspective i you know i do want to say that it's it's probably a good thing that the eagles are arresting him um Believe it or not, Eagles fans, I know it's going to be hard to hear, but, you know, protecting Zach Ertz's Ertz's kidneys long term is more important than a Super Bowl run. (laughs) And I think that the Eagles are handling this well. Yeah, Um, we want multiple Super Bowl runs. So if if, if this one not (laughs) gets us a couple more down the road in the next three, four years, I'm okay with it. Right, right. And so the second thing is how, you know, what, what point, where is he at right now with the kidney situation? So now you're just letting, you know, time sort of run its course. There's not a ton of stats on return to sport or, you know, kidney injuries in general because they're so rare. Um, but the, the likely situation is that Zach Ertz has a, a pretty mild, I want to say, even though I emphasize how severe they are. They're, they're serious. Um, but he had probably the most mild type of kidney injury. And in the small sample that they had people look at um, of NFL players coming back from injury, those injuries they gave a window of they came people came back from those injuries at, at a window from about two weeks to gosh what's 60 days that's that's essentially 14 to 60 days is what they um what they called the, those injuries when people came back from those injuries so i know that's a very it's a pretty big window um so it's difficult to say exactly where he is but since he hasn't you know been cleared for contact this week he really is at a week to week you know basis um i'm sure that they'll do imaging they'll ask his symptoms every week um they'll try to see how much of that swelling has has cotton down he probably had some sort of a little bit of a little bit of blood pulling in that kidney um they'll they'll take a look at that they'll see how he's feeling you know he may have and this is also unlikely because it probably wasn't that severe but he may have had um you know blood in his urine all of those things that they have to look at and take seriously so you know he really is going to be on a week-to-week basis i don't expect him to play this week and he's not a slam dunk for next week unless he makes some pretty big strides. But, you know, obviously the Eagles got to get past the Seahawks this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does. They, what his injury really doesn't make much of a difference if we don't get pie this week. So we really need to work, focus on this week. But since we're looking at injury outlook, we might as well look to the future as if we're going to the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, that Zachary Sender is definitely scary. You could tell something was wrong the minute he got hit. But the severity of it, no one knew until the next day when the Eagles released the uh, update about the lacerated kidney. So that that's kind of scary, I, I won't lie, because not only is he an important part of the Eagles offense, but he's an important part of a couple of my dynasty fantasy football teams. So obviously yes, the long term health of this man is more important than just a Super Bowl this year with 
half a team of practice squatters. So, I mean, from a realistic standpoint, I am a realistic Eagles fan. This would be the miracle. This would probably be the greatest Super Bowl run in the history if we actually make it there based on who we made it there with, largely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... I mean, I so so Zach Ertz to me is take your time, buddy. Take your time. I need you next year. Um, exactly. Next up, I uh, this is kind of a general question. I have a couple general questions because uh, we got to have some fun with this. We can't talk all Eagles, but let's keep sure. it to the NFL. What's the worst injury in football to come back from and why? It may just be your personal opinion, but what, in your personal opinion, would be the worst injury? And maybe within the medical community, what do people talk about as the worst injury to come back from? Oh, man, that's that's a really, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. Um, because it just depends on what you, you know, what, what your interpretation is of what's the worst. If I had to give my personal answer, my, the worst, you know, my interpretation of the worst injury would be an injury that causes long-term damage, um, you know, can... Um, like Alex Smith, like his broken leg. So those are the two types of injuries. So like an Alex Smith, even a Tua Tagovailoa, I'm going to mess up how I say his last name. An injury like Tua's, an injury like Alex Smith's, um, uh, an injury like, if you don't know if you remember from the Bears a couple of years ago, Zach Miller. Oh yeah, he came down and snapped his Mm -hmm. leg on the way down, yep. Mm -hmm. And he had some vessel, um, they, they were able to save his blood vessel, but there's a major artery that runs through his leg, I think that he disrupted. Um, those are the injuries that I'm thinking about that can cause, you know, physical damage. Those are the toughest ones to come back from. But if you're talking injuries, you know, an injury that, in my opinion, is is the most significant, the most, I don't know, debilitating down the road beyond football would definitely be concussions. And I think that most medical providers would agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. It really isn't that um, difficult for a player with dealing with their first concussion to come back from it within a week. Um, once they start getting their second concussion, third concussion, fourth concussion, fifth concussion, you know, those are all trauma. That's all trauma to the brain. And people don't forget that the shelf life of an NFL player, you know, they they retire from the NFL. They're still young men. They're still young people with, you know, thoughts of, of where am I going to go from here? Um, thoughts, you know, c- coming stemming from that they've only known football their entire life. Um, you know, they have lives outside of, of football and, and not to get too, you know, too, uh, serious or too, too heavy or anything like that. But, you know, that much damage to a brain, um, can, can cause a lot of damage down the road. You know, mm-hmm. we know that it can, it can, it can cause some serious issues and that's the last thing you want a family to have to deal with. Um, and that's, that's obviously another topic for another day, but that would be to me the most, the most severe types of injuries. Yeah, I mean, the the concussion is brutal. And I mean, we often don't think about concussion and the long-term effects. We kind of think of a concussion as, oh, he's week to week. When he comes back, he's back. And he's, he's, well, back in the day, more or less, we'd be like, oh, that's normal. He's back and he'll be normal. But now the more and more research that they've done into the concussions and CTE, they now realize it was never every time that happened. Each concussion was worse and worse and worse it does more and more damage and the damage doesn't necessarily show in the short term but it definitely shows in the long term and we've heard some crazy stories about nflers the aaron hernandez situation the kansas city chiefs player who shot himself in the head right in front of his managed coach like we've heard the crazy stories of cte and concussions and obviously i think a lot of us don't think about that we all think about 
oh the torn Achilles, oh the torn torn ACLs. But I I would definitely agree with you. The concussion is is a crazy injury with the probably the most long term effect. If you have trouble walking for the rest of your life, I think an NFL player would take that any day over multiple concussions causing future complete damage to their brain, their family, and their mental yep. well being. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So speaking of a torn Achilles, I just off topic of the questions I had, was it, is it as big of a deal to make about Brandon Brooks coming back within six months of a torn Achilles as Eagles fans make it? Just a quick, quick answer. Quick hit. Yes and no. Um, Is this a comeback player of the year thing? Like there's a lot talking about this is comeback player of the year because he tore his Achilles and he came back so quickly from that torn Achilles and was so crucial to that offensive line. You know, I would I don't want to discredit that, but yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's something that is is definitely is owed, you know, from the work that Brandon Brooks put in. Of course, you can't take away from that. Um, you also have to consider that our our understanding of tendons, tendon rehab, tendon reconstructions, um, and just our overall return to sport rate for an individual who's get, gets paid to rehab is growing day by day, and and which is a good thing, you know. So. I think that the more, and you've seen it with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, Emmanuel Sanders came back and looked just as explosive as he did before he had his two procedures, you know, one of them being an Achilles procedure. So I, I think that this will start to be the norm for now. I, I won't take it away from you guys. I mean, it's a pretty, six months is pretty quick. Um, that's pretty fast to be back full blown. So yeah, I'll give you that. Definitely. Uh, I also will say that moving forward, the six, seven, eight months ish for an Achilles, I think will start to become the normal. We're going to start seeing that pretty quickly. Yeah, because it used to be one of the injuries that took the longest to come back from. And everyone, like whenever someone said Achilles or torn Achilles, like when Kobe Bryant did it and stuff, like people were like, holy, that's like at least a year. And it all depends on how they heal. So, I mean, to know that six to eight months now, people are going to look at an Achilles and be like, ah, oh, that's fine. They'll get over it. But so, I mean, that's it is pretty amazing to think about. But I mean, I have never been through any of that. The worst I've done in my life is a broken ankle because I was riding a bicycle. So I can't imagine <laughs> repeat tears of, of ligaments and stuff. But yeah, that um, can't either. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so a couple last quick questions. This one, another one about the NFL. What's the future of the medicine in the NFL look like, in your opinion? We've gone through the concussion protocol. There's a CTE research that's been happening. What do you believe is next? And and what do you think can be done to continue to improve the game with the health of the players in mind, with a continued focus on maintaining the interest of the fans as well? That's a good question. And that's an, that's an, a delicate balance that the, obviously the NFL has to consider. Um, I, think, I think if we are having an honest moment with ourselves in the mirror, um, we have to say to ourselves as NFL fans, which 100%, including me, I don't, you know, if there's an NFL game on, I'm probably watching it. Um, I, I So that's a full disclaimer there. But I think we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, this is a violent sport, sort of like you mentioned earlier. Um, injuries are not going away anytime soon. And if if football is going to continue, there there is, you know, and it's sort of unspoken. Nobody really says it out loud. Um, but there will continue to be people with recurrent concussions as long as people are watching football, paying for it um, and uh, liking football, coaching football. There are going to be people who suffer ACL tears, Achilles tears. There are going to be people whose concussions get missed um, and they come back sort of like you saw with Sterling Shepard. Um, the NFL, sort of, the protocol sort of 
he slipped through the cracks there. Um, he mm-hmm. came back and played through a concussion, which not not a good thing, not a good thing at all. Um, so I think that's the first step we have to take in order to to answer the question is what can we do to make the safers? I think we have to look at the question itself and say, what are we really asking? And what we're really asking is how much are we willing to um, tolerate as fans? How much are we willing to compromise as fans? Are we willing to see kickoffs and punt returns go away? Are we willing to eliminate special teams altogether? Um, are we willing to, you know, stop complaining about missed targeting calls? Are we, you know, because those, those are the types of calls that I think, um, the, the average fan, understandably, the average fan will, will, is irate when their, um, when their players are called for a targeting, you know, penalty mm-hmm. and they get ejected or something, which I understand competitively. I understand the refs are looking you know, and then the NFL and the league is looking at it from a perspective of call, you know, call the flag. If you see it and there's even a shadow of, of, of an idea in your head that that was targeting, you need to throw the flag and we'll live with the consequences. Um, now, obviously, the flip side as a fan is there does. And I'm on the side of the fans is there has to be some sort of refinement there. You know, it can't be all or nothing. We have to train these refs eyes to be able to see it more quickly. We have to, you know, we shouldn't just throw flags at, you know, anything that looks like a targeting call. Maybe stop ejecting players for, you know, just refine the rule a little bit more. Um, But I think that before we look at the big sweeping changes like that, we have to look at what I mentioned in the beginning of the answer in terms of Sterling Shepard is how can we prevent players like Sterling Shepard slipping through the cracks? And it's not all his fault. Um, it just happened to be a situation where he slipped through the cracks. And how can we tighten this up? How can we right the ship and make sure that this happens, you know, in a hundred instances happens less than once um, from a statistical standpoint. And so I think that's the first change that I, I, I should see, not, not should see, but I think that's the first change I'd like to see is, is more of an awareness of themselves um, in terms of that and just tightening things up from that perspective, because, you know, injuries aren't going away. Concussions aren't going away. Um, and the second thing that I would say, too, is is once you get into a situation like Jordan Reed was in, you know, mm-hmm. Jordan Reed is a grown man. He's an adult who can make his own decisions, who has full autonomy over himself. Uh, and the NFL, and I should mention, I'm saying Jordan Reed because I think he's had, what, eight or nine concussions at this point? Yeah, he's one of the, one of the mm-hmm. worst right now in the NFL. And so... I, you know, with all that considered, he has his freedoms, he has his liberties, and the NFL has the right to to put a rule in place saying, once you have X amount of documented brain injuries, you're not allowed in the league or something. I'm not mm-hmm. now. That's a pretty big sweeping change, and I understand the visceral movement that might cause among fans and and you know the crowd that'll say everybody you know has a right to make their decisions. I just think it's something to consider. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's something to at least evaluate and see how would that affect, um, our, our, um, our perspective and our perception on, on concussions. Because if we're taking concussions, if the NFL is taking concussions as seriously as they say they are, I think something like that, I don't think that would be unreasonable to, to implement. No, absolutely. I mean, I never even thought of that, but that would be a really good one. Um, another quick comment on that, um, what about marijuana in the NFL? Do you believe that's something that can really help players as much as players want to believe that it will help them? 
or as far as like pain tolerance, pain management go, or do you do you just believe that's something players want recreationally? <laughs> that's great, man. You're hitting me with these questions. <laughs> those are good questions. So um, this is admittedly a little bit out of my wheelhouse. The funny part is my wife is a pharmacist and her opinion, her viewpoint is that we do not have enough research um, on cannabis, on medical cannabis or any type recreational cannabis. We don't have enough research to definitively say this will help you now as in it'll, you know, it, it helps. Well, it does. You know, we've known that it does certain things. It can help with pain. Um, we don't have enough research to say this will not affect you down the road. And until that research is done, nobody, no organization, no federal agency, no individual should promote, should actively promote the use of a substance that we do not know the long-term effects on. You know, that's obviously mm -hmm. another topic that's sort of up for debate. You know, the, the reality is what we should be, in my opinion, what we should be focusing on avoiding opioids, avoiding painkillers at all costs trying mm -hmm. to avoid um, shooting up players with, you know, numbing agents with lidocaine on the sideline and having them go back into games. Um, avoiding, you know, HGH use just to get through the season. I think those are all things that are, uh, before we look at what can we do instead, I think looking at the other direction and sort of saying, okay, well, how can we cut down on this before we consider other alternatives is, is the route to go. How's that for no answer? Absolutely. No, that works with me. I mean, it is a touchy subject and it's something that we, we could probably make a 40 minute episode on. But uh, I just wanted to kind of get an have opinion a part two on here, it. Man. Yeah, we may have to have a part two, definitely maybe off season, more broader NFL look or even next year when the Eagles undoubtedly run into injury troubles again. We'd probably we'd love to have you on. Um, one final comment, I suppose, before we go. I mean, the outlooks are starting to become a bit more clearer. Zach Ertz not playing. Miles Sanders likely. I did see a tweet where you said that you probably you don't think he would play, but that was earlier in the week. Maybe it's changed a bit. Lane Johnson, they're saying he has a good chance of playing. And Jalen Mills has already said 100% he's going. What are your thoughts, your outlooks on Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders quickly? Yeah, Lane Johnson... Um, is a really freaking tough dude. <laughs> I guess I'll start there. Man, offensive um, lineman. It's in, yeah, their, yeah. it's in their blood. It really is. It really is. So he's a really tough dude, and he's had this situation. He's had high ankle sprains before. He had one last year. I, I'm not 100% certain that it's on the same side, but I'm sort of assuming that it is. It's the left side. Um, with mm. that said, he, he has a chance to come back this week, um, but what I will say is that that high ankle sprain – is the way that a high ankle sprain happens is a player. So imagine sort of a player standing there. They bend their knees. You know, their knees go over their toe. They go into dorsiflexion. Ankle dorsiflexion is what it's called. Um, and then they sort of pick. There's there's this this external rotation. So their their body twists um, down onto the onto the leg in that position and sort of you know out outwards. And they have a, another force like another player lands on them. So that repetitive motion that an offensive line is making in pass, uh, in pass protection, that an offensive lineman is making in run protection, that he won't necessarily re-damage anything or damage anything, but that's extremely, extremely painful. Mm. So you have to really examine what the player's position is. Um, if he were like a safety, to be honest with you, I might, I might look at him and be like, well, you know, 
maybe he can he can probably give it a go. It's difficult to imagine considering the timeline for these are four to five weeks on average, even for NFL players who come back quickly, that he comes back and is is, is as effective as he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I think that he he might give it a go, but this was his first first full week of practice um, and he was limited all week. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would I would if it were fantasy, if I give it were, if it were for fantasy and if he were a skilled player, given the context, I would probably say avoid the player. Um, but, you know, given that the, the Eagles are have been fighting for their life for the last you know month of the season or whatever, I think that he might give it a go. But I'm not certain that he'll be 100 percent. And a little bit. Yeah, of, I mean, of, that's of, a tough that's a tough position to play with a high ankle sprain, because all mm-hmm. you do is you just have one massive girthy guy pushing against another guy who all you are is mass and girth. And it all <laughs> I love those words, we, by the way, <laughs> we, we've seen. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And we've seen it before. They go out and all it takes is the tripping over the foot of the guy, beside the guard beside you or tripping over the foot of the block and running back or tripping over your own feet. And you can end up with that high ankle sprain, end up with a tear of something. It's so easy you see it every week these guys tripping over each other because all it is is like 600 pounds of of man pushing back and forth girth (laughs) and man just pushing back and forth so you just never know so i i guess i can agree with the lane johnson thing he should sit out but we've been fighting for our lives this is what we fought for and i wouldn't be surprised this man to watch him play because his heart and soul rests along that offensive line and with this philadelphia eagles team Miles Sanders quickly. So Miles Sanders is sort of a weird case too. Um, I watched. I went back and watched that. I you mentioned that I I tweeted it out at FF Student Doc. Um, I tweeted out the video where he was initially hurt, and it, to me that looked like a classic high ankle sprain. But you know, yeah, apparently it, it looks like a good uh, fall, especially your your video where it's really slowed down. I'm like, oof, that looks a lot worse than I initially saw. Yeah, and and that's the that was a crazy part. So you know, maybe and and it maybe wasn't. And and I you know, naked eye is not the best indicator for anything usually um, when it comes to medical stuff. So um, I'm totally fine with being wrong. I'm happy for him that I was wrong. Um, but it does look like here on the practice report that I'm looking at, he had a full practice today. And so, you know, he should be good to go, all things considered. Um, and as we are on the fly here, Lane Johnson did not practice. So that's, that's not that could fantastic. either be that could either be concerning or it could be uh, we got to rest that ankle and that delicate ankle like they sometimes do where they'll be limited, limited, limited and then just not practice on the last practice. So we're going to hope for that. Let's hope for the best. There you go. But so, I mean, yeah, I, I think, think Miles the- Sanders should be good to go. I think at the end of the day, a 50% Lane Johnson or 100% Halepuli Vati Vaitai or something, I think I'll take that 100% guy who can give it his all. There you go. So like that, that's a quick the, name drop, too. Oh, man, you got it. You got If you One are time. able to pronounce Halepuli Vati Vaitai, if you are there able you to go. pronounce a name like that, like if you if I could pronounce Tua's last name, I would do it. If you can pronounce it when you can name drop it, you got to name drop it. I would have expected exactly. to hear Tua's exactly. name three or four times right now <laughs> if you knew how to pronounce that last name. But there's a reason we call him Tua and not the rest of his there name. There you go. So. There you go. Well, it's been awesome having you on, and uh, yeah, like you said, definitely, we definitely got to do a round two of this, and hopefully next time we can get my other co-host, LJ, on as well. Hopefully we've yeah, done sure. the show. I might even bring my wife on for the, for the cannabis question. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, you got to give me at least a couple months, man. It took me like two days to come up with those questions. Those were deep. So give me <laughs> yeah, give me a couple sure. days. I'll come up with some they more questions. They were good questions, questions man. Yeah, I, try, I tried. I would love to find someone else who's on an NFL sideline to ask even more questions to. But yeah, just me too. you said you yeah. haven't been on an NFL sideline. So one final fast question so I don't take away from your continued efforts of studying is that uh, sure. You talked about you date you you haven't been on an NFL sideline. Is that where you want to be? Is that where this career path is leading you to an NFL sideline, or oh, what do you want to do? That's hilarious that you asked me that. My wife asked said said the same thing to me. Who obviously my wife knows me better than anybody. And she goes, "Have you ever considered that you want to be a sports physical therapist?" And it's it it would be funny because most of my colleagues, most of my peers, start out with that, and I did not start out with that idea. So I won't rule anything out. You know, it, there's a lot of um, there is a lot of sort of, for lack of, you know, to be completely honest, there's a lot of politics that goes into getting to that point. But um, if the opportunity, you know, shows itself, I would not be against it at all. I would need a little bit more extra training, different training um, in terms of uh, a residency and stuff like that. So I, don't, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Definitely not. I'm really I really enjoyed doing this injury analysis stuff this year and I look forward to continuing it. So. Yeah, and I've we'll loved I've loved following you. I follow you. I follow a couple of fantasy that you call yourselves fantasy doctors or whatever. I follow a couple, and it's they they give amazing insight, and so does my friend Edwin here. He gives some amazing insights. So follow him at FF Student Doc. Um, he, it sounds like he'll be doing them next year, and he puts his valued input in where he can, and he puts on set, puts out some pretty gruesome videos, and breaks down the injury as well, which is uh, <laughs> right. which is not what I needed to see from Miles Sanders, but it's okay. <laughs> so once again, it was awesome having you on, and we'll definitely consider a second round of this in the future. And um, thank you, so thank you for coming on, and for everybody, thank you for listening. In. And give us your comments, give us your feedback, give us your ratings. And uh, if you want him back on, we will definitely bring him back on. I think I'll bring you back on whether they liked it or not. So There you go, man. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm happy with that. So now uh, let's uh, go Eagles go this Sunday. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Ooh, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Uh, yeah, well, that would be the response. Yeah, right? to, if you okay, want to yeah, come back yeah. on the show, that's the response the Eagles, we want. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, Go Eagles go, fly Eagles fly this week, and thanks for coming on, and have a good night, everyone.